You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we have the wonderful pleasure of speaking with someone who was suggested by a former guest, Mandy, known as Hagwitch on Instagram. And she sent us over someone who is a hoarder of Halloween and all things holiday. She's a dealer. She has a marvelous collection ranging from Halloween to kitsch to VHS to terrariums. Welcome to the show, Lyotra Myers. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We were chatting for a little bit. That was nice to kind of catch up. It's always nice to like get the icebreakers out mm-hmm. of the way. Well, and it's nice to sit down too with somebody that we have followed for quite some time and like interact with each other a lot on social media. Yeah, we message each other. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to sit down with somebody that you already feel like you kind of <laughs> know. know and now I just get to hear we get to hear about all your shit. So I love that. So thanks for agreeing to this. Yeah, of course. Of course. Mandy told us about you when we interviewed her and I we got done with the interview and I just sent you a message and I was like, hey, because she was like, she's, she's going to be bashful and she's not going to want to do it. And I was like, it's okay. So I put it in my phone and then put it in my calendar and I was like, and I literally had a reminder for like months. It was like, reach back out to Layatra to get this set up. So thank you for sitting down with oh, us. Of course. I love the podcast. I was nervous because I've never actually done a podcast, but I listen to them all the time. So I'm like, I should do this. <laughs> <laughs> and in all fairness, um, I had never done one either until uh, last year. And I actually had like this sweet experience with a friend of mine that has a podcast here in town. They asked me to be on their show and it was like the tables have turned and I was nervous and like, oh my God. <laughs> and I get there and her darling husband, Jason, he was like, I just have to say, he's like, I'm really nervous to have like a podcast pro in my house. And I just started laughing. I was like, thanks for that. Uh, and he's like, I was just the nervous. Like, of honors. Yeah. He's like, I can see your eyes just get big. Like, who? Me? I'm like, I'm just what? a giant me? faker. And I said, he's like, I just worry what you're going to think about my setup and all this stuff. And I was like, no, I'm like, your setup looks great. It looks like ours. Like, I totally get it. And I said, and also, like, I know how to act with my microphone. So you don't have to worry about that. And but I did. So two things happened that were just funny. He we get everything set up. And one of the microphone cords, the XLR cable isn't working. And I just see like panic wash over him. And I just was like, Jason, it happens to me like almost every other interview that like something happens that it's just like out of my hands. And I'm like, it's okay. You got it. And then as we're starting to record, I was going to take a video and thought I had already put my phone on silent. And so as they're doing their intro, there's like the iPhone video noise. And I'm like, fuck. And then I lock my phone and it's the lock noise. And it was right after he said, we are sitting down with a professional podcast. And I was like, yeah, right. Right. As I did that. Well, my setup looks like my iPhone on top of a magazine rack. I love it. I use (laughs) when I'm filming stuff on my phone, I just use my pop socket to like shove it into things that it will fit into. Smart. Yeah. (laughs) I just, yeah. So thank you. I'm excited. And you, you just, you see, you work this morning and you work at a local, is it an antique mall, antique shop? What is it? Yeah. So the name of the shop is American Daydream Antiques and Miscellanea, which I like that they add that to the name because it's like, oddities extras so on and so forth um so yeah an antique shop but um it's just pretty eclectic so 
there's a bunch of different vendors and booths and styles. And it ranges from like old antiques to retro toys to now we have like a video store there. So it's all over the map, like something for everyone. (laughs) I like that they put that because it's not something you generally hear in the tagline of an antique store. Yeah. I yeah, like miscellaneous is just like a good blanket term. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, it, you know, because I feel like that also kind of gets whoever ready for when they're going in maybe to just look for antiques specifically. Like, oh, there's going to be other stuff that I mm-hmm. may find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you could write on the sign like vintage oddities, pop culture, <laughs> toys, like it would just go on and on. <laughs> Literally everybody that has a booth here just likes cool shit and now they need to get rid of it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we have collected too much and now mm-hmm. we must sell. We've girl boss too close <laughs> that to the is sun. How it happens. <laughs> and I want to talk to you obviously about we always want to know about people's childhood and their introduction to collecting, right? Because mm-hmm. it generally for most people starts as an early childhood thing and I we have to talk about Gammy. I just got to uh, know like yeah. that I have so many questions about her and like so she kind of started you on your collection journey right yeah um my gammy is basically like a mom to me she's my grandma but more like a mom and um yeah ever since i was young we had always gone to yard sales together thrifting like i know so many of you guys and other guests you've had on like it's just how you grow up and you're kind mm-hmm. of born into it and then you fall in love with it yourself. Right. By proxy. They're just like, you're going to like this too. You have to like this. Yeah. Too. <laughs> it is funny because my mom and my sister were never really into it. And they're like, uh, we don't want to go thrifting, but my gammy and I were always like, okay, we're at the beach. Um, you guys can go to the beach. We'll um, go to the local thrift stores and meet you later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, like my my older brothers, like they were not ever drag to like drag to like <laughs> sales and things like that. And it like makes me like a little sad for them because I'm like, you're just going to buy like store stuff for your house, mm-hmm. which is fine. But <laughs> you're like, do staring do, at but, it. yeah. <laughs> so what is we always have to ask, what is your gammy and use like yard sale? Like game plan and estate sale thrift store game plan. Like, what do you guys, how do you prep? Well, I mean, I think I'm like way more strategic about it now because I resell and collect. Mm-hmm. But I feel like whenever we did it growing up, we were much more like leisurely. And now when I go to yard sales, I'm like in and out. I'm like looking for anything I see and getting around to all of them as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed but, um, that change too with both of us since starting the yeah. show. Now, Jill yeah. and I, it's literally like fucking game on. It is about <laughs> timing. Like, it's always about timing. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start getting like really nervous until you can find the item you were hunting for. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, now I can go back and look at the other stuff. Yeah, because it's like, I have this thing now. I don't know if you both do this, but if I don't make it to like the opening day of an estate sale, I'm just like, I, it's not even oh, no. worth it. See, yeah, I, don't. I know some people like to go for half off, but I am just like most of the things I want probably won't be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're not that way, Joe. No, because that's when I find the cute little things that everybody left behind. My husband's it is true. water. Thanks, babe. You're like digging. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes I'm just not in the mood to dig. Yeah. Like I just don't mm-hmm. want to. If it's not on the surface, I'm not going to look for it. Uh-huh. So then when there are the half days off, I'll like 
because there will be other people that don't want a leg and then just take off the layers. And by the time the bottom layer shows, that's when I find some good stuff. We have, yeah, we've found some, like we have our favorite estates. A lady, Linda, does a great like last day box it, bag it, drag it thing. And she's just trying to clear the rest of the house out. And so you literally can go in and find the stuff that is probably overlooked by somebody because they don't know what it is. And it looks rather simple, like a lot of like Hager pottery pieces, different things like that, mm-hmm. that you could find that maybe aren't like people are using them to decorate their houses right now with mm-hmm. it. But my, this is your vintage tip of the week. If you're going to an estate sale and the house is listed on the market, look up the real estate listing for the house so you can recognize the pictures from the listing and to what part of the house they're in. Oh, wow. look at you. <laughs> so there's been times. Extreme. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Welcome to my life. But I will, like, if I see something in a house that I'm like, is this in the basement or, like, in a back room? And it's, a, say, it's, like, a piece of glass or a piece of, like, Halloween stuff that I know a lot of people are going to be after. It quells oh, yeah. that, like, anxiety in my belly to be like, okay, once I see the house and, like, the layout of it, I can be like, okay, this looks like it's in that part of the house. And nine times out of ten, I can go into the house and straight to the room that I need to be in, and then I feel better about it. That's a good tip. Yeah. Thank you. Just I can't tell you how many times uh like Justin and I were going around communities and stuff and just like a few seconds it's always a matter of like a few seconds that people are walking away with blommels like mm-hmm. embroidery rules stuff like that it's just always my heart sink <laughs> mm-hmm. there it's is crazy. an estate sale coming up here in Idaho Falls and there is a four foot tall blow mold Santa oh wow I know. I'll tell you. Well, I so because <laughs> the way of you be, looked at each other. <laughs> so the, the person that we know that does these sales was doing one in town. And I said, um, I was like, do you want to get together for lunch or whatever? She's like, just come over and have a chat. So I got to go into the house before she started to set anything up. And it was really cool to walk around and see stuff where it existed in these people's homes. Yeah, that is cool. And kind of see everything that was in there. And I was like, how long did they live in this house? Well, just the pictures she's been posting, I'm just like, it's, she may have to have two sales. I don't know if she's going to. Well, and I told my husband, I was like, we are literally going to have to go every single day mm-hmm. because I was, there's so much. I was standing in like, there's like, a, it was like a utility storage room. And I stood there while she was talking and looked and could look at one section of a shelf four different times and see something different each time. And it ran the gamut of like, 1930s to 60s to holiday to like stuff in original boxes to old board games. She had it was like she collected. Need to send me that link. I will. I'll send it to you (laughs) after this. You can look at it. But it was it was literally you know like what every woman that was that age was collecting. There was Hummels, Yadro. There was Madame Alexander dolls, like a seven foot tall pile by four foot. What? All in the boxes. Of- oh, is that what was in those boxes? Yeah, they're all Madame Alexander dolls. Oh, shit. <laughs> and there was like tin toys and also like old toys and swag lights and, and depression glass. Literally and, like, everything. Ellie Smith. And- uh, yeah. And that was, she didn't, she didn't post any pictures of the garage, but the garage had a full car size area of just Christmas. And there was more in the basement. And then it was like they never changed any of the rooms after their kids moved out. So mm-hmm. the oh, so upstairs, they're like frozen in time. There was the nursery that still had the crib from the 60s or 70s in it. 
with all of like the kids books and filled with all the stuffed animals. Oh man. It was anyways, sidetrack nation. So that sale, <laughs> my, uh, my objective would be to take two friends and we would have a recon list of stuff we were all looking for. That's what Jill and I do. We, yeah, that's how we always do. Cause I, Sam always goes towards the garage. I always go towards the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so if there's anything that we both already know what each other is looking for and thank God we don't collect it also. Cause then it would just be a fight. Maybe we would fight. <laughs> we would fight. What? Yeah. We always have to split up and tag team it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like there. And I always have my headphones in. I have to be like <laughs> in the zone. See, I can't have my headphones in because I'll hear somebody be like, Ooh, did you see whatever in this room? And somebody's like, oh, no. And I'll just like turn Hi. around and go get it. <laughs> Jill's the sneaky sneak. I, I like the that. <laughs> the sniper, the vintage sniper. <laughs> so I have to ask about what your Gammy collected. And also tell our listeners what she started with you collecting too, because it's just darling. Um. Oh, yeah. The dollhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my Gammy made my mom a dollhouse when she was little. So I guess my mom was growing up in the 70s. And um, well, it's kind of like full circle. So I didn't realize it until years later. But um, my Gammy was inspired to make the dollhouse after she went to Roadside America which was here in Pennsylvania. And it was a roadside attraction, um, just full of miniatures and like a huge layout. And sadly it closed um, last year due to COVID was like the final nail in the coffin. But um, yeah, I guess she went there probably in either the seventies or yeah, it had to be in that time frame, and just got so inspired by the layout. She was like, I'm going to make, an heirloom dollhouse for the family and my mom had it and then I grew up playing with it and it was always so special um but yeah I didn't realize that Roadside America is what actually inspired her to create it herself wow um and I got obsessed with that place like later in life and she was like oh yeah that's why I made that and I was like really (laughs) (laughs) that was your spark of inspiration yeah, but um, I've always loved miniatures because of that. Mm-hmm. I have the same, and I don't know that I, I don't know that I ever realized it until like this moment of like my affinity for miniatures comes from my grandmother's miniature collection. Duh, she has yeah. this like army of miniature glass animals that they bought when they were in England on an Air Force base, and then she had other little miniatures that were in that same cabinet. So of course that's why I love little shit. It's it, just. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like extremely ideal because you can fit so many. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have this printer tray behind my head and I have Mm -hmm. another one upstairs that's already full. Because it is, it's one of those things where you find a random little thing and you're just like, oh, I could just put you literally anywhere. Yeah, that's my kitchen window seal. Cute. Oh, yeah, I have, mine's full of little tchotchkes too. (laughs) What outside of, what else does your Gammy collect? Like what is, she always kind of, has her taste evolved or is it still kind of the same? Um, as long as I can remember, it's been the same and it's just funny because I am not interested in anything that she collects. (laughs) It's all like a lot older stuff, Mm -hmm. like, um, carnival glass, I think is pretty. 
um but i've never gotten into that like um kitchen memorabilia like tins mm-hmm. old utensils um almost like farmhouse but like antique antiques not like rustic the og American farmhouse stuff. yeah mm-hmm. um things like that and she used to have a ton more antiques but i think over the years they've downsized a lot Mm-hmm. Well, and it's she probably too knows that you appreciate her collections, but she may not want to like burden you with the stuff she knows you don't collect, especially seeing what your collection is now. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it's funny. She'll be like, I grew up with that stuff and I thought it was junk, and now that's all you want. <laughs> I'm like, you got rid of all of the bull molds. And like she said that she thought aluminum Christmas trees were tacky. <laughs> she was like, I didn't think anyone would want that. And I'm like, and now people are paying thousands. hundreds, thousands of dollars for them. <laughs> I, whenever I'm around somebody that's like 60 to 80 years old, I always ask them, like, what did you grow up with that people now pay a shit ton of money for that makes you like roll your eyes? And it is, mm-hmm. it's like they go down that kind of thing of their like, or like the stuff that's coming back from the 70s right now. I have some clients, I was like, yeah, I just sold a set of towels from the 70s for like $20. And they were like, what did they look like? And I told her, she's like, I have those towels. And I was like, hold on to them. They may pay for your retirement. Yeah, it's true. Hold on to those. But And that's, you know, it starts me on that thing. And I say it often of like, what am I buying for like my house or my son that is going to be collectible that I'm just like, I can't wait to fucking throw you away. (laughs) (laughs) Like besides toys, I can't imagine what modern will be that collectible. Mm -hmm. And then I think about like, I got the new Target bull molds because they're only 10 bucks and they're cute. Um, I just can't imagine them being collectible, but Mm -hmm. maybe they will be. (laughs) I know. It's the same. Like, I think if I would have kept my stack of like Delia's catalogs, I could probably be (laughs) selling those right now. (laughs) It's fashion inspiration. And, uh, yeah. Doesn't that make you feel gross? No, it makes me feel old is what it makes it <laughs> me feel. I loved Delia's growing up. I would like circle everything mm-hmm. and then get like one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to get that. And then my brother skateboarded. So we would get like the World Industries catalog and like all the different skateboard stuff. And I just looked through it and think I was like going to be really cool, like skater girl. <laughs> but then I almost broke my tailbone and my elbow. So I was like, I can't be a cool skater girl. I'll just ride my mountain bike. It's safer. It's safer for me. It's safer. Now, did you you grew up in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, I'm from Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, which is like funny. Um, it's named after the dill pickle. <laughs> so, yeah, they um drop the dill pickle on New Year's, and that's like always on the top ten weirdest things dropped mm-hmm. on New Year's lists, like on Google and stuff. And I bet Idaho's fun. in there too. Yeah, the we potato. have the potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So solidarity in the uh, being from a hometown that's known for a food item. <laughs> yeah. Dillsburg is like halfway in between Gettysburg and Harrisburg, which is Pennsylvania's capital. Mm-hmm. So just random, like central PA, small town. <laughs> and that my my biggest like one of my one of the things I want to do when I go to that side of the country is, of course, go to like an Amish supermarket store. Things mm-hmm. like that, because it just seems so interesting to me, because we don't have, we have like a small subsect of Amish people and Mennonites that live mm-hmm. here, but not anything like 
Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I live in York now, which is only about like 20, 30 minutes from Lancaster, which is like a huge hub of the Amish community. Mm-hmm. And when you go there, you're like sharing the streets with horse and buggy and you go to the Lancaster community yard sales and you'll be driving around hitting the houses and there will be Amish people with horse and buggies. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> do they, do they also participate in the yard sales? Yeah, I mean, I've gotten good stuff from Amish yard sales, like Pyrex, older Christmas stuff. Just, I mean, they have a lot of uh, things I think they've just held on to over the years. (laughs) Incredible. I was hoping my suspicion was true. I was hoping Mm -hmm. it was not. I'm sorry, Jill. I'm (laughs) sorry. So when did your, when did you start to like kind of garner your current taste for collecting? Did you grow into where you are now or did you always start with like Halloween and different stuff like that? Well, I think I feel like I've always liked what I've liked, but whenever I was a little bit younger, like adolescent, whatever, I tried to fit in with more normal people that weren't into like the weird stuff I was. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I used to collect Halloween masks, the vintage vacuum form plastic ones, um, like since I was a teenager, and then I had them in my one bedroom at my first apartment and I remember my one ex being like why do you have those on your wall all year like that's weird so I got rid of them (laughs) been there yeah I mean like those three masks I regret it like all of the time I think about that and I'm like it's just such a simple stupid little thing Mm -hmm. but I've like completely embraced my interests now and now it's like extremely out of control (laughs) And I still don't think I have those masks back. But anyways, I feel like I've always been this person. I just tried to dull it down before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. um, I, yeah, that f- coming into like your own and your own authenticity is so painful mm-hmm. when like you were different than either the people you grew up with or just y- y- your differences were always kind of shouted out at you. Right. And so you're just kind of like, okay, well, I won't do that. And then I kind of did that same thing within the last couple of years where I was just like, I am so tired of trying to be something that everybody's going to appreciate. Yeah. And I think that's also like a great thing about the community we have online Mm -hmm. is because I've never had, I mean, albeit like most of them are just online friends, like Mm -hmm. so many people that do appreciate the same stuff we do. Yeah. It makes you feel like less of a weirdo. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> really, it makes me there's times that I will just like start to cry about it because I, you know, if you would have told me 15 years ago like one day you're going to find this community of people that doesn't even question any of your weird shit and they just appreciate it and they appreciate the stuff you buy and they all get that weird excitement when you find something that you really love, I would yeah. have just been like you're a liar. Yeah, like they actually like it or they're jealous of it themselves. They're like, you found that for five dollars? Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where you could be like, look at this original Bicel die cut I found for 50 cents and everybody's going to pee their pants because they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. And my family's like more of that crap. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, there's, um. yeah, I have a lot of vintage in my house now, more than I think I've ever had. Same. But it is really nice now to like be able to watch other people from across the country sell stuff and find stuff. And it's like that, like you said, that shared appreciation where like, if I sell something to somebody that I know collects vintage, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's going to such a good home. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that always feels really nice. When did you, you're fairly new to like the full blown reselling, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's weird to me because I never like considered it to be a viable career option. Mm -hmm. I think just because, uh, like my gammy, uh, had told me before she tried her hand and like just having a booth and said like, Oh, they're money pits. And I think it like depends where you are and all of that. Mm -hmm. It's logistics, whatever. But, um, whenever I met, uh, Justin, my fiance, he was, um, reselling online for like years and years and he already was into it before I was. Um, and he's telling me about like how I could potentially be doing this. And I'm like, sounds fake, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then we started watching like YouTubers that were like mega into it and seeing that they're making thousands a year and just like living off of it and I'm like wow I mean that would be amazing but could we actually do it and now we pretty much are at this point so it's been awesome but at first I didn't really think it was doable (laughs) so talk to us a little bit how you got over that hurdle like what makes I guess do because you sell do you sell online too right or mostly in store um, it is mostly in store now which is wild to me uh, I honestly like hate shipping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's such a pain to me. I mean, I'll do it and I would like to get into selling more online again. Um, for a while we had an eBay, but I only have like one or two things in it mm-hmm. right now. Um, like if something's going for a lot online, I'll put it on there. Mm-hmm. But, um, we've been doing mostly in store sales right now or someone buys it from the store owners will ship it for us it's part of their commission oh so that's cool that's lucky for us <laughs> like i know not every shot like that right but that's a but, great thing um, to offer to make it work for yeah, everybody yeah that's like a great perk of it and i mean it's just really important to find a place that's good for you like in a good location mm-hmm. i mean it's kind of hard to find an antique mall that will cater to everything you need but we were just really lucky that we got in when they still had space available and were able to grow with them yeah because now they have like a wait list <laughs> wow Whoa. yeah what are i guess some like what are some of your tips to be successful as a reseller like what did you find that brought you nice success with it um well we kind of have our own two separate things going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I appreciate, um, media like Justin's big into video games and VHS and all of the media. And I kind of started with vintage myself because that's what I collect and love. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have two separate booths now. And I think if you try not to do everything in one space or like try to do too much, Mm -hmm. like, we have the video store individually uh, by itself and that's been really great on its own because mm-hmm. you're focusing on one thing and we're trying to like evoke a sense of nostalgia with it. Like <laughs> it's so great. Um, so my uh, fellow vendor five broomsticks is a vendor. Her name is Ashley and she does really well at the mall as well. And I, 
she has a booth that's different than anything I've ever seen in an antique mall. It is like specifically themed to Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. And it's called five broomsticks. And I imagine it's similar to what it's like when you go to universal and you're on like Diagon alley and you're in the gift shop because she made it like a completely immersive booth. And I was like, how do you theme a booth like that? And I'm like, well, a video store, we put in an arcade cabinet that's on like free play. And we have the like nostalgic um, space, vibrant color carpet that was in all of the video stores and like (laughs) toy stores in the (laughs) nineties. And I was like, we need a carpet like that. And so it's like you step in and there's like these die cuts and standees and movie posters and you're like this is what it looks like when you walked into a blockbuster Mm -hmm. it's really about like the environment as well as the product yeah i don't know it makes it adds an element to it (laughs) well it makes i think somebody feel too like there it's the whole it's immersive it's the whole experience of and especially for people our age right that that was like a weekly thing that you did was to go walk around the movie store and Mm -hmm. hope to god that you know, the new releases weren't just going to be the picture when you got there for you children (laughs) listening. There was a time that there would just be a laminated picture of the movie cover and all the movies would be gone. And then you get so excited and you pick it up and then you'd like, there's none behind it. And Mm -hmm. you're like, shit. Yeah. And we really did get lucky too, because we found a listing on marketplace, which marketplace here is like a honey hole for me. Um, There was a listing with five of the original blockbuster shelves so Whoa. that's what we have in the store. Holy so it, it really does look like it. Like it feels like you're in a video store. <laughs> I awesome. We will be sure to share some of those pictures because it really is incredible. I remember when you were like building that and getting everything together for that. I was just like, God, I wish that was closer. Because it's yeah, also, you guys are sourcing great VHS stuff for it too. Yeah, there's like a huge cult following for horror VHS. And I am like not only into Halloween, but also like horror as a genre. I love that too. And so does Justin. It's not like it's just something we're in for, for the money or Mm -hmm. something, which I think you can tell a difference Mm -hmm. between people that are just like looking to make money or people who actually care about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we have like a section specifically for that, like uh, family tapes in a different area. And then, yeah, we were pretty much just trying to think of all of the elements we could possibly pull together to make it that immersive. And he also got, um, have you ever seen the Japanese vending machines that are called gacha machines? Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you see my whole face just went like, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so he got a few vintage vending machines and also that gacha machine and he vends all vintage vending out of it. So (laughs) we have one that's called a 90s mix and there's like (laughs) little pogs in it. You're killing me. Oh my gosh, everybody. But you could see Sam's face right now. She (laughs) would. I feel like I am very happy for you, but also like I got to go. I have to leave. She's like 10 seconds away from looking up plane tickets right now. Wow. Okay. Keep going. I'll (laughs) I'll keep, I'll put my. No, no, you're fine. I mean, it's, it's so exciting. You're like going in a time warp. Um. There's a 90s mega mix. There's like a monster one where you can get like a witch finger and teeth like you used to get at Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, yeah. I'm like, we need to have that at the shop. 
Uh, it is imperative. <laughs> I um, vending machines were like they're some of my favorite things to yeah. this day. There, when we go on a road trip, it's like I carry extra quarters and just buy mm-hmm. shit from vending machines the whole way. There was we drove back from California one time, and it's like a thirteen-hour drive, and I had a sticky hand in the car that I just rolled up in the window and watched it beat the <laughs> shit out of the car for miles oh until God. it finally broke because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I and I my favorite ones were like at pizza parlors with like the tattoos or like do you remember the little homies? They oh, were like yeah. miniature. Yeah. The, oh, I loved those. And the little aliens. Anyways, continue, Latra. Thanks for this marvelous trip down <laughs> memory lane for me right now. No, yeah. Um, I mean everyone and not everyone, like I've seen okay, we have cameras at the booth because like theft and stuff, like we have safety so um i hear old ladies on there sometimes being like who buys this crap like this old 90s junk and i'm like all of the 90s and 80s kids come here and like love it but they don't get it you're like first they didn't get it when it first came out it's like first of all edith you're gonna go find another carnival glass deviled egg dish okay lay (laughs) off me yeah deviled eggs only yeah only (laughs) 42 different Um, dishes for certain things you serve at thanksgiving up. It's fine for Joe. <laughs> it's okay for you. What? You're not gatekeeping. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, we also got one of those all-star um sticker vending machines <gasps> they used to have in the malls. Yes. And it is like so on the nose, like 80s looking. It it I actually think I saw it in Stranger Things whenever <gasps> I was rewatching it. You did because like, we all lost our minds when we saw it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, we need to get that in there. But the thing is, like, the heaviest thing I've ever (laughs) lifted in my life. And I almost fell. And, like, it's just been sitting in my living room for months. And we need a stand for it. (laughs) But we were going to put, like, stickers in it so you can actually vend from it again. But, yeah, that's next on the list. (laughs) Can I just, like, send you, like, Venmo you $15 and you just do $15 (laughs) worth of things and then just send it back to me? Or like record it will FaceTime and I could be like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Get that one. It's like, I don't get to choose. It, like what you get is what you get when it comes out of the vending machine. It's the first lesson in life. That's my Between that and tokens in an arcade. True. Everybody wants yeah. to win the bike, but you may just get warheads. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Put that on a no, wall, I, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like, seeing themed booths and spaces is like something different than I've experienced at like so many of the shops around Mm -hmm. here. Like it totally just levels it up to like another thing I didn't realize you could do at an antique mall. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I was thinking too, as you were describing it of like, when I go into an antique store, there really is an art to like a mall, right? A vendor mall. And mm-hmm. there's some booths where you can tell, like, this is just where they keep all their extra stuff and you cannot even move around the booth to find things. Or it's so overcrowded that, like, I don't, I, there may be treasures there, but I can't, I cannot spend that much time in your booth looking for it. Mm-hmm. And it, and I don't know if it's just the ones here, but it wasn't until we started the show that I realized people were like switching their booths out a lot because there's a lot of places here that you can go to an antique store three times over six months and it's going to have the same exact stuff in it. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) Yeah. And then you always think, okay, that's way expensive. I'm going to wait till you lower the price and they Mm -hmm, never do. mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I've seen stuff sit there for years and like the more like the deeper I get into this just like never ending web of like reselling and collecting, like Mm -hmm. you can tell whenever someone like takes pride in their space or like cares about it or is just like trying to make money or like just abandons it there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, it's an interesting, you know, I, I've always had thoughts about having a booth somewhere or doing, but like before this, I, I don't know. I was like, where do you even start? Like, who do you even go to? And so I feel like at some point I would love to own my own space in some capacity of, mm-hmm. you know, I re- I have super fond memories of going to really great antique stores in this area that have slowly just closed. And I feel like it closed because we weren't quite old enough to go buy a bunch of antiques, right? Like our generation hadn't quite, you know, had their own I mean, money that's to a good, yeah. You know, and you figure like my grandparents were the ones buying it. My my parents weren't buying vintage and antiques at the capacity that I do now. So I feel like maybe there'll be a time frame that that's back like in popularity. Come back in popularity, we'll be the ones to spearhead we'll it. Bring it back. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like your collections in your home because they kind of go all over the place like mine I am also a magpie collector and like like lots of different (laughs) things what so to just kind of walk us through some of the stuff you have in your house because it's great stuff oh my god I know there's a lot so I'm leaving it on the floor to you I'm looking at my living room like (laughs) what a mess um I have two hutches full of Halloween right now and uh yeah that's a good place to start (laughs) do you have a Um, now that you do sell a bunch of stuff, I'll help you narrow it down. Now that you do find and you have access to finding a lot of things, what items of Halloween still make it into your collection when you find them versus going to your booth? Um, yeah, I mostly will keep like one of each blow mold that I find. If I have a double or triple, I'll sell it. Or if it's just not one that I particularly like, I mm-hmm. won't hold on to it. Um I specifically uh, collect the like Halloween or haunted themed um, board games, Ooh. which is like specific. I guess. Um, there's a haunted house one by Ideal. I have Witch Witch, mostly ghostly. There's a bunch of different kinds of those, and those mm-hmm. are fun. Um, but mostly, if I find a double of something, I'll sell it. But for the most part, I'll keep one of each thing mm-hmm. which is a problem <laughs> i do that and i do so- that too and then if i find like if i find the replacement for it that's in a little bit better shape then i'll get rid of the one that i had previously and just go okay this can oh yeah i do that too mm-hmm. and i have um a few of the paper mache like pulp jack-o'-lanterns and cat lanterns that are older from like pretty mid-century mm-hmm. i think those are like 30s mm-hmm. 20s yeah i don't have a ton of those because it is hard even here in like an area that's you find a lot of antiques and vintage they're still usually so wildly priced when you do find mm-hmm. them <laughs> yeah i've traded for some of those um and then some of my bigger grail items that i do own i've paid up for and i won't lie about it mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. It's like I'll sell 20 little things to make up for the one big thing I want. Well, and don't you feel too now that doing that now as a dealer, you feel a little bit better about it because you know, like, at least oh, the price yeah. for it is fair. Oh, yeah. Or like if I find a lot with one thing I want in it, 
it will basically cover the payment for that in itself because mm-hmm. I'll make profit on the rest of it. Or yeah. it's always like a bargaining game in my mind. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's everybody's forever issue, right? Like it's got you to pay to support your own habit and get rid of the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we keep, um, horror VHS tapes. Um, I collect all of the Halloween vinyl records. Like I keep one of each of those that I find, which I think I have like over 30 or 40 now. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Oh, cool. I, that's um, like, it's always something I learned about where I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I bet they make great decorations too. Yeah. The one cover, I mean, I wish I could just like insert a picture into a podcast, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a monster mash cover that is just like such great graphics and it has like Frankenstein and Wolfman on the cover and they're like doing the fifties jive dances or whatever. And <laughs> that's incredible. Just, Pretty sure yeah, I had that. Covers. And then you also have, um, because I, I feel like you and I both collect anthropomorphic things, right? They're just mm-hmm. so, they're stupid idiots and I love them so much. <laughs> I know. Um, I didn't even realize that those were a thing until I got more into the reselling collecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize how many there were. And I feel like Justin started that for me because um, a few Christmases back, he bought me those um anthropomorphic flower figurines mm-hmm. if you've seen those with the faces and because i'm named after a flower so it was like a thing mm-hmm. liatris the flower um <laughs> and then i was like okay i need to have all of these <laughs> and then i realized there were like snails and caterpillars that were cute that could go with them that had faces mm-hmm. and then there's fruit with faces mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the same trajectory we went on <laughs> yeah yeah just whenever i started searching anthropomorphic for the flower girls and then other things are coming up and i'm like oh my god it just <laughs> isn't going to end <laughs> uh-huh. yeah last night my husband was like what are you doing we just got done with dinner and i was like oh i'm just looking at anthropomorphic salt and pepper shakers on ebay and I, <laughs> then i would just be like look at this idiot and he's like yeah it's great and I'm like, no, look, they match the stuff that Jill gave me. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. You want to know what the most annoying thing about like having to use that terminology is though? Like on Instagram, have you ever looked at the anthropomorphic hashtag? Because Mm-mm. it's all like furries and like weird um, animal fan. Right really? <laughs> Which is, uh, I mean, uh, I guess it's a dangerous. Thing. Unless you look up like vintage anthropomorphic, like it's like, it's so weird. You gotta sometimes. be very like, specific. Oh my God. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. What was my then, son looking up? He was looking up something and he was like, I don't think this is right. And then he showed, I was like, nope, nope, that is not right. What were you trying to find, my friend? He's like, nothing. Oh my God. Nothing. nothing and then. Yeah, those were also like a gateway into me discovering those anthropomorphic bug ornaments, which I'm obsessed with. Wait a minute, what? Bug the, ornaments? Um, yeah, they're like kitschy Christmas ornaments that are like miniature bull molds almost, like the soft plastic bull mold. And then they have felt on them and they're from like the 70s. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I did not need to know that. We're going to look them up right now, Joe. No, I you really, really didn't need to know it because they're going for crazy money now. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. Yeah, everything good. Everything. I know. Good. I know. That's why it's hard to find Halloween stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh God, they're so cute. 
the bugs. Like, I die for the bugs. <laughs> They're so cute. I'm really pissed off. I didn't know about these. I feel oh like, and this may not be public knowledge, so you have to cut this. I feel like um, Kate Hart, Bitter Squeaks, is working on something similar to this with her stuff. Like, oh, really? Is she trying to make, um, like, uh, repros of them? I think so, if with her with her Mobley stuff. Don't quote me on that. Oh, Great, wow. cut that. Okay. <laughs> um, just because she might punch me when I see her next month. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's really the anthropomorphic stuff is like a never ending hole of like weird stuff, and I like it the weirder it gets. And it's so cute. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like the epitome of kitsch to me. Mm-hmm. It kind of <laughs> is, and I appreciate that. Yeah. It's so Pee Wee's Playhouse, yeah. and that's like. Okay, that's the vibe that I'm always saying I'm going for is like Peewee's Playhouse, Haunted House. Mm. <gasps> that's a good, that's a I good feel vibe. Like that's literally the perfect description for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> that really, it covers all the bases of everything you want to collect in your house. And the other thing we didn't know about really until starting the show was the mid-century terrariums. Oh yeah, I love that. God. That's on my list too. And you have, how many do you have? Because you have a few. Um, yeah, I have like the classic one on the white stand. Um, that's just like the oval classic one. And then there's also the inflatable, um, terrarium stool ottomans Uh. and they came with like the kitschy plastic flowers already inside of them. Um, I got one of those this year finally. And then I also found a miniature version of it kind of looking for candle holders for my lucite candles oh um they're like these small little candle holders but they have the plastic flowers inside of them and they're just miniature versions of it (laughs) cute we have i should send you some of them i found a box of vintage plastic flowers at an estate sale like a whole size box i should send you some of those because i don't know them all and they're like the plastic roses (laughs) okay yeah yeah, they are. I mean, I would take them, but <laughs> I have so many. I'm like, I switch them out. I like rotate them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to ask. I was like, do you have stuff that you rotate in and out on display in your house? Yeah, I do. Um, I used to do like, I used to be a lot more into Pyrex. And then I realized like how much space it takes up. And I have so much other stuff as well. Like the holidays kind of trump everything else for me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'd rather have a Halloween hutch than a Pyrex hutch. Um, (laughs) I used to switch it out seasonally, but now it's kind of like Halloween all the time. (laughs) I feel like that's a great tip though, because I have a hutch upstairs and sometimes I get tired of looking at the stuff in it, right? But it is special. But like, I don't know why I've never thought of rotating my special stuff out of it like for the holidays. Oh yeah, you you definitely should. Duh. Yeah, Sam. I know. <laughs> One line brain, man. I got to switch out all my stuff out for Halloween and I just keep staring at everything and I'm like I don't want to pack you up cuz I just unpacked you. Mhm. Yeah, it's so much work that goes into all of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to get like metal shelves for my storage room side that's mm-hmm. just for my stuff cuz I don't want to have to like cuz when you wrap it up and put it away there's a chance it's going to get broken. And then you forget that it's in a box, right? Where if I could just put it. Yeah. So we have a, like, I've got the metal, like, shelves, mm-hmm. like the garage freestanding yeah. ones. And I've put all, like, my 
what I consider my fall Pyrex Ooh. in there. And so then I'll put my spring and summery stuff away. And then I'll bring out the fall so I can use that for serving dishes. Oh, smart. And I'm trying to find some more because I don't really want to actually pack anything. I just want to put it on a shelf. Yeah, fair. Because yeah, um, I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, Pyrex is like, it just takes up so much space and it is heavy. But like the way you can really tell that my priority shifted is because <laughs> I did get a starburst for Christmas a few years ago. And I sold it to get a Halloween grill instead. <laughs> so I've like really taken the leap there. <laughs> I mean, I see no problem with that. I see yeah. no. It's uh-huh. just like exchanging pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jill and I have recently discovered that we do that. She'll buy stuff. She'll go out hunting, right? And then I'll go out hunting and we keep it at each other's houses, whatever, right? If we have a sale, it comes to my house. And we were putting stuff out one day and I had these two brass, uh, like male uh, and female pheasants. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, those are really pretty. And I was like, oh, do you want to just take those home? It's fine. I got them at the DI. Yeah. And I was like, I'll pay you for them. And then I was like, look at these stupid idiots I got. And they were the, there was like, what, a strawberry and a, it's like what? an orange or a grapefruit. Yeah. They're little salt Maybe and pepper lemon. shakers that Anna, Anna, anthropomorphic thank you it's okay <laughs> and they're terrifying know, we all can't say it it's they're, yeah. they're so cute and so sam's like oh my god i love those and i just looked at him like tradesies she's like yeah and i'm like they are terrifying so, stupid. so they have these kind of like they have the anthropomorphic have crazy face murder eyes and they're both holding chef knives like they're meant to be chefs for the kitchen but they look like they're gonna like indian Got in the you. cupboard like come to life and just like <laughs> Oh Maybe, my God. yeah, or Toy Story, <laughs> not Indian. They look like that, and it's just like they just, yeah, their eyes. They kind of have like furrowed brows, and then they have like, and the knives are like on their person, like tucked into there. Yeah, like they're ready to like whip it out. So I saw the matching other salt and pepper shakers, and it's two strawberries with just like skull and crossbone knives, like underneath their <laughs> little big strawberry head. And I'm like, what were they? Don't what was? What were people like? Oh, yes, because that, that's how I stand in my kitchen before I cook. I have my knives ready mm-hmm. to go. Every time. At the just time. an angry lemon <laughs> in a chef's apron. <laughs> oh I hate God. it here. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, Jill, for trading. So I get I get the, the, the up leveling, right? You're like, I, well, I do love this piece. I would much rather stare yeah. at this all the time. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. I am an idiot, though, because I had the Starburst with the lid and the warmer, which you don't always find like the cradle for it. And uh, I gave it to my friend for three hundred, and now they're oh. selling for like a thousand. <laughs> oh, hurts a little bit. Not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jill's the Pyrex lover. So, no, I do the same thing. Like I'll sell something, and I'll think it's a good price. I'm like that's a fair price, and then I'll look online, and it'll sell like for like ten times more, and I'm like. Oh, well, that person was super lucky. Or you put something on that you know sells for a lot more, like a little cheaper, and it just sits, and you're like, I where? Hey, How guys. does that make any sense? Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> like, I have the same thing, and it's cheaper. <laughs> so mm-hmm. one more question I have before we get to today's estate sale walkthrough. You wrote in your questionnaire about a very specific bit of family history that I have to ask about. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I just have to know the story behind it because of my true crime mind. I don't think I know that much more than what I already said. (laughs) But yes, I I love it too. (laughs) I always ask in the questionnaires, like for interesting bits of family history. And Leotra literally wrote like 
Well, there was... Okay, so you say the part that you do know about it, because I was like, what? Like, yeah, all I really know is that it happened. Um, So on my paternal side of my family, so my dad, my dad's dad's dad. So what would that be for me? Great, Um, great, great grandfather. Grandfather murdered his wife and then himself. So murder, suicide. (laughs) Jill's face. (laughs) Jill's face right now, guys. Um, Jill. Murder, suicide. That's not where I thought this story was going. I don't think anybody did. That's why I wanted to put it out there. And they had, obviously they had their son because I'm here. Um, (laughs) But he was just like, a toddler so yeah he was just left there and that happened and then when he grew up he ended up unaliving himself as well so jeepers creepers (laughs) seems to be a pattern here (laughs) in the in the family yeah i mean i'm like so interested in true crime too so when i discovered that like i can't say that i wasn't like oh my god yes but like not in (laughs) not in that way right did you Interesting. Were there any like articles or anything written about it at the time that it happened? Yeah, all I saw um, was one in a Harrisburg newspaper and like it was mid-century time-ish. I can't remember the year exactly, but all it basically said was that they were having a dispute over custody. And so then I don't know if he was like family annihilator type or what, mm. but he just snapped and yeah. So that happened. That's terrible. There's like one article about it, and that side of the family doesn't really talk to me, anyways. But um, they never talk about it amongst themselves, Mm -hmm. so I don't know anything further about it. (laughs) Right. Well, and at that time too, I mean, God, to go through a custody dispute over a hundred years ago. (sighs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, that sounds like a nightmare. God. Yeah, I'm like, what's the best thing I could write about? a podcast I'm going to be going on to like let's just overshare here that's what we're all about I mean and that wins that's all I do so. in my free time is overshare so <laughs> it's all the time just... me too and then I'm like oh that was probably a lot sorry <laughs> my bad yeah I know sometimes I just have to log off or be like enough stories for today <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I, uh, yeah, I'll tell somebody something and then they look at me and I'm like, oh, I did that thing again. I did that. Or I'm like, you, if you're like me, you have to know all the information about the story I'm telling you. I know. I'm so used to it now that I'm just like, okay. I know. Sorry. It's a good thing I'm medicated. It's less now. All right. Before we get into this week's estate sale walk through Lyotra, will you tell our listeners where they can find you, both in person and online? Oh, yes. Um, so on Instagram, I am. Thrift Kitch Witch and my booth pages are Roadside Vintage PA. Um, Roadside Vintage was already taken, so I had to add that at the end. PA. Rude. Rude. <laughs> I hate when the name is already taken that you've decided upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, video store count is Atomic Home Video. Cute. Cute. The, um, both of those booths are located in American Daydream Antiques in York, Pennsylvania. And yeah, I work there pretty much part-time. So if you come in, there's a chance you'll see me. <laughs> but don't harass her if there's a line. Wait your turn. Yes. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Wait your turn. 
Um, also, if you're shopping there, you can also visit Atomic Betty's booth and you could visit Goods Resurrected. And that's their Instagram names. Megan Powell has a booth there and Tanya has a booth. Tanya's on Atomic Betty and Megan Powell is Goods Resurrected. And the three of you collectively have good shit. Yeah, there's so many good people there now. Like all of the other vendors are great too. And it's just a conglomerate at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. We should have like a bingo card. And then like every time we get one of them, we're like, oh, there's a square. There it is. A bingo. I know. Cause you guys all three have great picking eyeballs. So <laughs> if you're close or within driving distance of this fantastic little mall, please go and spend some of your money. Yes. The holidays and, are coming. Buy and yourself if Sam and I else. ever get there, we're just going to throw our money around uh-huh. and be like, just take it. I just I don't <laughs> do a QR code to myself. <laughs> like, this is my Venmo. Just a QR it. code. Just right here. That's going to be, you know what? I just realized that's, that's going to be the new barcode tattoo that people get. <laughs> don't do it. Guys. You got to put it though somewhere where it can kind of stay hidden because you don't want people to like constantly like. Steal your information. Yeah. Good God. Mm -hmm. Don't do it, children, or anybody of our age. All right. (laughs) Now it's time for my favorite part of the show. I already pre-warned Jill about this. It's been a while, so Uh I had to uh, come straight back for her. Yeah, I'm being punished. I go on vacation, and then everybody's like, so glad you're back. Guess what? I hate you. I hate you so much. So for those of you that are (laughs) new to the show, every week we do an imaginary estate sale walkthrough where all of the items are real. The scenario is made up. So if you ever hear me talk about something, go Google it because it's generally really cool. Um, (laughs) With each estate sale walkthrough, each scenario holds an item to or three items and the guest job as well as mine and Jill's is to pick one from the list. You can only pick one. You're responsible for finding your own loopholes and I am sorry. And you will regret your choice for at least a year All the time. for a while. All right. So today we are in your neck of the woods poking around at a church rummage sale. The first table we come up to is filled with ceramic and other various materials of figurines, right? Do you pick the Holt Howard Pixie condiment containers in their entirety or entirety. the vintage Napco Halloween figures that are also being sold as a set. Equal parts of things in there. Oh, I'm going Pixies. That was easy. Napco. Oh, <laughs> nice. Jill and I are going to fight to the death because I'm also going for the Pixies. We're going at it. Because they are on top of my list of stupid little idiots. But also no, the Napco. A- Wait, wait, you don't want to hear this. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Uh, at a yard sale like two years ago, there was a set of them there for $20. And um, we didn't Of the whole Howard? Mm-hmm. How are you sleeping? <laughs> are you sleeping okay? Have you like... I know. I know. Oh, that's I painful. I was like, oh, I don't really need them to go with my Pyrex. Because at that point, I was more like just collecting. And I wasn't like, oh, I could just get them anyway (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, for reference to the listeners that are unfamiliar with the Holt Howard condiment pixie wear collection a single piece can sell for 400 to 800 dollars or more I am like so happy that I don't remember which individual ones that they were because I would be searching them (laughs) yeah yeah that is uh oh oh, man okay I'm sorry for you (laughs) I feel like we should have a moment of silence Mm -hmm. let's just Greg could you put on some sad just some little bit of sad here. Oh, my God. Okay. Everybody better? Uh, okay. okay. Next stop, we have the holiday section. Mm-hmm. Do you choose 
The lot of 1990s Halloween die cuts from Easter to Halloween and Christmas or the 1960s honeycomb holiday pieces, Halloween and Christmas. Oh, see, I got too cocky. Are they like honeycomb die cuts? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want. Yeah. Um, this is your whole Halloween yeah. redemption. <laughs> <laughs> the 1960s ones. Ooh. For sure. Jill? Uh, I think I think I'm gonna go with the '60s also because I already lived through the '90s, mm-hmm. and that's exactly where I'm going to buy the '90s ones because they were like my favorite die cuts. They're the ones I grew up with. Mm. So I saw one for sale on somebody's Instagram story and missed it. It was the witch that I grew up with. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with those die cuts because those were I always put them up every Halloween I got to decorate with them yeah those are cute mm-hmm. okay good choices everybody also but honeycomb pieces are chef's so kiss. cute all right last <laughs> but not least we are going to do a time travel shop okay okay we're going to hop in the DeLorean but first we have to pick a movie set to go back to and we have the opportunity to steal a prop could I be whatever you. prop you want. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I hate you. So you can steal a prop from one of these movie sets. But this is hypothetical. What, what movie? <laughs> All right. Do you pick <laughs> to go back to the set of Beetlejuice or the set of the creature from the Black Lagoon? I wish I never told you that. <laughs> which, I can't. Which set do you go back to, <laughs> to steal something from? Ugh. Oh my God. Where are you going, <laughs> Sam? You? I'm going straight for Beetlejuice. <gasps> straight. And I have a backpack, so I got to like supermarket sweep that shit. <laughs> How could you do this? <laughs> this oh, is, uh, the others were so easy. Don't ever get comfortable. Like I said, I don't get cocky because then she throws you over this mm-hmm. one. Ooh. <sighs> I mean, Universal Monster stuff is just, like, so insane. (laughs) But I love Beetlejuice so much. (laughs) Jill is going to stab me as soon as this is done. I'm going back on vacation and I'm never coming back. Oh, no, I did it. I did it. I'll send you the custody papers. (laughs) I, oh. Here's our loophole. If you need me to get you something from Beetlejuice, I'll get it. Okay. Then I'm going with the creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Layatra. It is your time. Okay. Um, for creature, though, like, do you get to take the whole um, creature suit? Yeah, whatever you want. They okay, got well, my alliance has to go there then because that's the classics, the creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Beetlejuice, but Universal Monsters, the original suit, like, I could never pass mm-hmm. that up. If you do, you want me to get you anything from Beetlejuice? <laughs> I'll drop you guys off first, and then I'll go back. Oh my god! Um, I'm gonna afford a loophole I, for you for making. I this. need one of those shrimp hand cocktail glasses. <laughs> right? Those are yes, the, yes, yes. That's a great yeah. choice, Jill. What would you like me to I get? I want you? the head things where they like stretch their heads. Out oh, and it's like the pointy. Yes. Yeah. Um, a girl I work with has them tattooed on her calf. Oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> there's your redemption for sorry for making you do that. That was sorry. That gave me heartburn. I don't even know what I would straight like go for. There's so many areas of that movie that I would want to get something from. 
Like taking the entire town miniature set? Like the house. I just... Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. miniature um, diorama itself. Or like like the miniature... Mm-hmm. For the recently deceased, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, the shrunken head for the guy on the couch. Yes, the costume mm-hmm. for the girl that checks him in. There's some, you know, the like Lydia's wedding dress. You know, all those things. Dante's Inferno, little yeah, teeny. But, you know, the creature is <gasps> Dante's like, Inferno mm-hmm. would be like yeah, that would be what I would choose if I went to that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Liatra, thank you so much. Liatra, god damn it. I'm gonna do it every time. You know why? Because I've read your name in that way in my head for It's okay. <laughs> just think of the flower. All right. I'm gonna just gonna have to put that in the notes. Great cut every time I fuck that up. All right. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. This was so fun. And I it was really nice to hear about the person behind the collections that I've fallen in love with over the last couple of months. So thank you so much. Of course. It was great to get to talk to you guys. You guys are fun. <laughs> Thank you. We try. I can't wait to um, see your collections unfold over the next holiday season and all the stuff you have. And I really, I truly hope one day that we can meet in person and we can shop your stuff because that would just be. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah, that would be so fun. You'll never believe what I'm going to do after this. What are you going to do? We can cut it. Pick up a blow mold. <laughs> God damn it. Of course you are. Of course you are. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I can't wait for all of your followers to hear more about the person behind Thrift Kitch Witch and to hear even more about the stuff we talked about today with Layatra. Stick around for this week's Curio. Jill, I know you're not excited for this time of year. (laughs) I know you're not. Uh, I know. Like, I just, I don't know why. I must have some childhood trauma that just makes me hate the cold so much. You must. Cause I told a co-worker today that if I heard one more person tell me how much they love fall, I'm going to stab them in the face. Oh, I guess we can move on to another topic then. We're just going <laughs> to skip. We're, I guess we're recording from our home, so you're going to have to drive over here. and uh, It's fine. It's fine. I get it. I understand the love for it. I just can't. I guess, okay, in all fairness, I didn't ever really embrace summer until probably the last year or two, because I don't like to be hot. We all know this. It's some, I just, it's like beating a dead horse. Everybody knows I don't like to be hot, but the last couple of years I have enjoyed it more, but I, it's the weather change that gets me kind of excited because I can also, I like to layer. I like to kind of look like a hamster in a person's clothing. You know, and just put on as many layers as I can. But I just, we all know I love Halloween. And it's like this weekend I can finally get all of my Halloween stuff out. And it's like this is when I switch out some of my vintage and just start to put out my vintage holiday stuff. And it starts this month. And last year, you know, we didn't decorate the front of the house because of COVID. And we didn't want like kids to feel bad about not trick-or-treating. And Mm -hmm. all bets are off now. I am getting the severed heads out. <laughs> They're going in the front yard. Meredith is going to get a new outfit. Um, oh, we're going to spider web. We're gonna we're gonna spook it up. And yeah, yeah, very. We, I I too am going to decorate for Halloween as my twins keep giving me shit for never decorating for Halloween. Mm. But my okay, but my reasoning is we have soccer. And so I am so busy with soccer, work and school that mm-hmm. by the time Halloween comes around, I'm like, "Oh. 
I need to buy candy. <laughs> oh, this you need happening. a costume? Here, stuff this pillow in you and mm-hmm. you're something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't have that luxury yet of being swamped with children's activities. Yeah. So see you get to when the twins were maybe three, maybe four, three or four, I can't remember. I actually did make their costumes. <gasps> I made, so they were um, a box of cereal Cute. and milk. Cute. And I made it homemade, wow. drew everything, painted it all. I'll have to find the picture so we can post it. I got to do that this year because it's my last year of like no opinions on Halloween costumes. Yeah. Um, which I just don't know if it's going to go down as easy as I think it is. You know, my son. Um, he, he's very opinionated right now. Yes. Y- yeah, he's like his mother. So that's my, uh, apparently this is my like, what, 10 Hail Marys is my yeah. toddler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even know what I'm going to dress up as because we're going to be in LA. Generally at the salon on the week of Halloween, we do, it's called Spirit Week, like what you did in high school, right? For homecoming. <laughs> but we take a theme every day and we dress up every day so there's like there was we've done decades we've done famous monsters we've done just inside jokes we've done like um like one of the things we always like me and my aunt that i work with we call each other kitty instead of our real name when we need to get the other one's attention so one year we all win as cats and we changed the sign on the bathroom to say litter box and now we still call it the litter box or the library at work but it's just and one year one girl just she understood the assignment she went over and like we all dressed up as cats and she came in in an inflatable squirrel costume that had these velcro acorns and i'm just gonna ten dollars to the first person that guessed how where those unicorn those acorns went by the end of the day (laughs) yeah so uh it's very fun so i'm sad that we're missing it this year so i don't know what i'm gonna i don't know what to dress up as i know well we'll be in la towards the end of october Mm -hmm. so it will be fun to see What's down there? Mm-hmm. For Halloween spooky time. I'm very excited. It is 22 days away. Is oh, that helpful? Is that helpful, no, Jill? Not, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, yeah. So um, I don't. Did you? How was your week? How has your week been? <laughs> Do you want the real answer? As I was coming, I was like, or, oh, wait, never mind. Or the. Uh, the mundane oh it was fine it was fine no it it was actually fine we've been super busy at work so i've been at work i think every day i had to be at work by seven. Oh dear week. that's very early i know we're picking up everybody's meeting those deductibles mm-hmm. i had a patient today he joked he's like i met my deductible so just shoot me up everywhere <laughs> I was like, let's run right. it down the list let's start at the, the top of my head to the tips of my toes yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but no, we're headed into the du- deductible dash in fashion. Oh, is that what it's called? The deductible dash? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always say the um, October is like the warm up. Uh huh. Uh huh. November is the race. Okay. And December is the sprint to the end. Oh, dear. Um. Yeah, that makes me feel like an asshole because I was like, I need to make a dentist appointment. But every time it's, I always remember in October, and then I'm like, Hey, when can you get me in? And they're like, November 10th, and I'm like, All right, sorry. You're like, Okay, that. Hope I don't need any dental work before the end of the year (laughs) that you need to get me in for. I know. Hope not. 
How was your week? It was, work was pretty low key this week, which I don't hate. I did a lot of haircuts and I generally, like mostly my days are booked with hair color and not necessarily like haircut, hair color with haircuts, you know, but yeah. it's very rare that I have like a full day of haircuts and those days generally kick my ass more than a full color day because it's a lot more turnover and like just different stuff. And then I always end up with some hair sliver somewhere on my body. And then oh, God, by, I can't even, yeah, by the end of the day, I'm just like, I can't wait to get home and take all of my clothes off because there's hair <laughs> everywhere and you get better at it. Like the longer you do it, but there's sometimes you'll like, I'll be doing a clipper cut and I will like my, my face will itch. It's always when your fucking hands are busy. So my nose will itch and I will give myself a mustache of somebody else's hair. And then they giggle and I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did that. I know I uh, that, that happens to me when I'm getting procedures ready. Cause I'm in sterile field. As soon as I'm like fine the whole time until mm-hmm. I put those gloves on mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh my God. But you know, with the mask, I'm like, hey, rub my nose like right there. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's, please do it. When I'm doing like a full blown hair color, a haircut that my hands are covered in hair, or I'm shampooing somebody. Also, I just want to say as a non vintage tip of the week, but your hairdresser tip of the week, close your eyes at the shampoo bowl. Okay. I love you so much as a client, but this is not the time to make direct eye contact with me. I know. It's like you never know what to do. Like, is it rude to close my eyes? Mm -hmm. Do I look? Because really, why wouldn't you close your eyes? Because you're literally looking up your nose. Right. And I just am like, also, I don't want to splash stuff onto your face, right? Sometimes that hose gets away from you. But please don't make eye contact with me because it's very strange. And your shampoo is not going to be great because we both want to get out of there. Okay. (laughs) I just wanted to be, I'm not calling out anybody in particular. Also, don't make any noise when we're shampooing your hair. Not a vibe. Not a vibe. You don't, you don't want the, oh my God, that feels so good. Guess how quick your shampoo is when you, I don't even condition your ass. <laughs> out of the shampoo bowl. Get out. God. Oh, yeah. I don't, well, I mean, we have people scream and cuss <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. depending on what they're getting injected, but. You don't have it. For the most part, I don't. And, you know, I get it. It does feel nice. Having somebody else wash your hair is nice. But let's keep. Yes, it is like my favorite thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's keep it inside. Let's keep that. I do. I work really hard to, like, tuck it down. Mm-hmm. just enjoy the moment mm-hmm. my best friend she knows how much i hate eye contact right the shampoo balls so she does this thing where she goes like full limp head and full dead zombie eye contact and i'll be like trying to pick her head up she's just flopping around in the shampoo <laughs> bowl and i'm like stop Ugh. yeah uh, i don't know yeah. it was a good week i went to the goodwill for the first time today in like three weeks and it was so busy it was like 5 30 on a thursday and um, I there was lots of people, but I found a couple of like cutie little pieces, and then I was like, "Done." There's too many people at the Goodwill. Yeah, I went. I think I went the the beginning of the week just to like, oh, I got off a little early. I'll pop on over. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I was in between getting kids to soccer games mm. and soccer practice. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna pop in," and there was like nothing. Well, and this is the thing: there was lots of stuff, but nothing that was like nothing. Like was like, oh my god, I got to bring you home. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, and oh, but my water heater did break. Yeah, that did happen this week. I didn't want this bring week. It feels up. like it's gone on for like a month now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's only Thursday. <laughs> yeah, 
I said today I got to work. I was like, yeah, it's Friday. And they're like, no, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Did your parts come and everything? Yeah, it's all fixed. Okay. It's working. So hopefully it stays work. I told my husband, I said, I would like it to now work for 10 years, please. Because <laughs> we had to have it fixed yeah. twice. Yeah. Once in June. Uh-huh. And again now. And and how long have you lived in this house, Jill? Um, it will be a year, uh-huh. November 8th. And what year was this house built, Jill? 20. Yeah. So let's not do that, water people. Okay. I know. Even the plumber was like, I'm really sorry. I'm like, dude, it's not your thing. Like, Hopefully, this is the last time we see you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, I don't want to see you anymore. I know. No. Yeah, no. Between that and the soccer, I was just like, white claw every night mm-hmm. before and bed. Drinking the rest of that Prosecco in my pumpkin cup. Yeah, your pumpkin cup is super cute. Thanks. I found them at the Goodwill a couple of years ago, and they have dishwasher damage, but I love them just the same. Yeah. Sometimes they're the best. They are. Um, I am excited to get into, first of all, the month of October, we have some really great people that we talked to mm-hmm. this month, uh, coming to you guys and some really great episodes and where I'm so excited to dive into those other curio corners because we really, it was great. There's a, a spell check heavy interview. She joins me on an interview. She did because I was in New Mexico for a wedding. She did, yeah. So we um we were we made do because it was a rescheduled interview, and so Spellcheck jumped on with me, and it was really nice to have her on for an episode interviewing a guest, and she does the Curio Corner with me, and that was very fun. Um, yeah, we have some great stuff. If you have not visited yet, be sure to check out the new merch on our website, themothballprophecies.com in the shop. Um, it was, I worked on that for a couple of weeks to get it perfect for everybody. And I really love it. It shares that very important mothball message of checking under the tables. Um, so please go and look at that. It is a limited edition merch. So by probably, I would say end of November, that merch will be gone forever. Never to return. Ever, ever. Unless I get bored and I'm like, let's put it back up for a little bit. Yeah. Who knows? knows? (laughs) But. Uh, I'm really excited to start off my favorite month of the year with somebody that we have had on our list for a long time and we were waiting for October to interview her. We're talking about, of course, today's guest, Liatra. And we talked about a lot of different interesting things in her episode, but there was a couple of specific things we wanted to talk about here in the Curio Corner. And that was, I guess I wasn't aware that it was a blanket term for movie monsters which is universal monsters or universal horror and over the you know a couple of people we've interviewed for this month specifically i was like oh i guess i really wasn't aware that that was the term so we're going to start this off with uh talking and learning about universal monsters today and this comes from universalmonsters.fandom.com And it talks about, so Universal Monsters, or they're also known as Universal Horror, are the name given to a series of the distinct horror and suspense in sci-fi movies that were made by Universal Studios from 1923 to 1960, specifically. Um, These 
This time for Universal started in 1923 with a version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it continued with other movies that you know, The Phantom of the Opera, Dracula Franchise, The Frankenstein Saga, The Mummy, The Invisible Man films, um, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Wolfman, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And it led with the studio's leading horror actors, which were Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, and Lon Chaney Jr., as well as numerous directors. Um, Universal started out by the name Independent Moving Pictures Company, or IMP. Um, IMP had only one horror film, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, from 1913. And this was Universal's earliest success in the genre of horror, and it was the historical drama of The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 20, uh, 1923, starring Lon Chaney in the title role. Their production sets rebuilt 15th century Paris on an epic scale, even recreating the Notre Dame Paris Cathedral. Do you want to hear this is sidebar adjacent related to the show? Yes. Carrie Darrington, Baby Darrington, episode number one was in Paris having lunch across the river from the Notre Dame when it was on fire. And her poor fiance was trying to propose that day in Paris <gasps> and was going no. to propose. And then the Notre Dame was on fire and they have video they they caught of the spire falling into the rest of the building that day. Holy shit. Right? Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Okay. Back to the, back to the show. Um, this is all this um, inspired Universal to produce their first true horror film, which was The Phantom of the Opera, based on the mystery novel by Gaston LaRue. Um, the film was released in 1925, and they say that Cheney designed and endured torturous makeup that even exceeded the demands of the previous role as the hunchback. And with the film The Hunchback, the sets played an important part in the film. And it was um, the interior of the Opera Garnier was recreated to scale and remains one of the longest standing film sets to this day. It was used in the 1943 remake of Claude Rains, as well as numerous other pictures, which is wild. Cheney was a freelance player at the time of Phantom of the Opera's production, and he eventually signed with MGM and could no longer produce character roles for Universal. His death in 1930 ended an, um, any possibility of him leaving MGM for any other studio. That's sad. Mm -hmm. um, Universal turned their attention to other actors, such as German actor Conrad Veet, who had appeared in uh, a German expressionist horror masterpiece, and I'm not going to say it in German. It's the <laughs> cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And he started in 1928's universal horror film, The Man Who Laughs. Um, so, and of course, one of like the most notable universal monsters, right, and actors is Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Uh-huh. Um, Bela Lugosi played Dracula. Boris Karloff played Frankenstein's monster and the Bride of Frankenstein. And in spite of the Great Depression, executive Carl Jun um, Lemiel Jr., he produced massive successes from the studio. So we have Dracula coming in. Um, and Frankenstein both in 1931 and the success of these two movies launched the careers of Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and ushered in that new genre of American cinema which was the horror genre with Universal at the forefront filmmakers would continue to build on their success with an entire series of monster movies these films provided steady work for a number of actors including but not limited to Lionel Atwell, Dwight Fry, Edward Van Sloan and John Carradine um, other regular talents involved were makeup artists Jack Pierce and Bud Westmore. And then, of course, we have composers in there as Hans Salter and Frank Skinner. 
Many of horror genre's most well-known conventions, the creaking staircase, the cobwebs, the swirling mist, and the mobs of peasants pursuing monsters and torches originated from these films um, and those that followed. And one of the most uh, successful sequelized runs of movies was undoubtedly the Frankenstein series, which continued with the critically acclaimed There Was a Bride of Frankenstein. And then Dracula also had its series of very successful um, sequels after its original movie. So this all continues into the Great Depression and happening during the Great Depression. But in 1936, um, it marked the end of Universal's first run of horror films as the um, the Lemuels were forced out of the studio after financial difficulties in a series of flops, partly due to, which this is interesting, a temporary ban on American horror films in Britain. In the wake of MGM's Mad Love starring Peter Lorre and The Raven, which had uh, Lugosi and Karloff, the monster movies were dropped from the production schedule altogether and would not reemerge for another three years. In the meantime, the theater revived Dracula and Frankenstein as a double feature resulting in an immediate smash hit. And then it goes on to list like all of those popular movies from that time. And during the 1940s, the most successful of the new series of Universal Horror Films was The Wolfman, which also established Lon Chaney Jr. as the new leading horror actor for the studio, following in his father, Lon Chaney's footsteps. In 1943, the studio created a remake of Phantom of the Opera, this time starring Nelson Eddy and Susanna Foster in the film. And that, uh, that was as much a musical as a horror, which is where you start to come into the familiarness which that with that Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. So you go through kind of this lull of universal movies and the horror franchise. And as we come out of the 50s into the early 60s, so you have 1954, that's where the films start to return to popularity. And this was with the success of The Creature of the Black Lagoon, which was directed in 1954. And this revived the universal horror franchise and would gain a whole new generation of fans. So now you have from the 30s to the 50s, you have 20 years of these films. Um, the original movies such as Dracula and Frankenstein, they were also they were re-released again as double features in many theaters before they were premiering on syndicated American television in 1957 as part of the famous shock theater package of Universal monster movies. The Hammer versions were also popular um, and in turn sparked renewed interest in the originals. Soon there were magazines such as Famous Monsters of Filmland that would help propel these movie- movies into lasting infamy. Universal spent the last half of the decade issuing a number of one-shot monster films. By the early 1960s, the original monsters were merchandised in the form of toys and model kits, and the most famous of which were now for the now-defunct Aurora Company. Um, in the later years, the monsters is considered to have ended in 1960. Um, other like horror and sci-fi monster films produced by Universal were created, all of them varying depending on the genres. Films um, such as ones directed by Alfred Hitchcock were more thriller-driven than straight horror. Blockbusters directed by Steven Spielberg also featured elements of horror, despite leaning more towards the adventure genre. However, movies included An American Werewolf in London, The Thing, Bride of Chucky, Peter Jackson's King Kong helped pay tribute to the horror that was the Universal Monsters cycle. And it just goes on to talk about a little bit more of like the influences and like pop culture references that the Universal Monsters run along, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting to me that like that early influence, right, is still tied into horror. And then now it's spun into the classics and then what we now know as modern day horror and slasher and 
all of those different genres. Yeah, I like I remember growing up in California, they'd have like Universal Monster like special stuff during for Halloween and mm. all that and they'd play the movies and like you'd get to trick or treat with the uh, monsters and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, so it's super fun. So that I think that's why I love those like the more mm-hmm. iconic ones than I do like the newer ones. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense cuz you have all this tied stuff from your childhood to mm-hmm. it which is super cool yeah it is but um so another thing that we talked about that we've talked about several times before mm-hmm. but um some people just may not know what we're talking about this is true. what we're talking and this is very popular in halloween and christmas yeah. are the blow mold figurines mm-hmm. you've seen them so like the popular one for Halloween is like the pumpkins and they, they all light up in some way mm-hmm. and you'd put them on your porch or in your yard. And that was it. They were like the first, what blow up decorations. Yeah. yeah. They were the ones I remember seeing as a kid all the time. And then now realizing like how many friends I have that their parents probably just threw them away. Yeah. Just tossed them out and just said good riddance. God. So this article comes from mydailytribune.com, and it's the history of blow molds. Um, to explore the history and manufacturing of blow molds, you we need to begin with flamingos and an art school graduate, Donald Featherstone. Featherstone graduated from the School of Worcester Art Museum in 1957 and accepted a job with Union Products a maker of plastic lawn ornaments. His position involved sculpting three-dimensional animals that would be used in making molds to produce ornaments. His first assignment was a duck. So so to to determine the shape accurately, he actually purchased a live duck and used him as a model. He was next tasked with the sculpture, sculpting a flamingo, and since none were readily available, he worked with National Geographic photos, and the now iconic pink flamingo was born. Plastic blow molds have been produced in the United States using a manufacturing process termed blow, blow molding beginning in the 1940s. First created for glass making, the technique which forms and joins together hollow parts was retooled for use with plastics after their development of commercial use in the early 1900s. The origin of blow molding process are attributed to Syrian glass workers in the first century BC. Egyptians further developed the art of blow molding in 17 to 1600 BC. The process continued to be used and was refined in Europe during the Middle Ages, The United States developed new techniques and machinery for processing glass using the blow mold method, which led to the development of a process for a mass production in the late 1920s. Inventors Enoch Fergan and William Kopicki are credited with the discovery and development of the blow molding process for plastics while working on a way to make the glass making process more consistent. The blow molding machines they created gave birth to plastic manufacturing in the United States. Creating a blow mold ornament begins with a design and a sculpture of the object to be replicated. This model is used to make a mold from steel or aluminum that is precision machined to form their specific features. Next, a liquid material, in this case plastic, is poured into a heated barrel 
mixed and fed into the mold's cavity. Depending on the type of plastic, temperatures range between 4 and 500 degrees Fahrenheit. It is then inflated with air that forces the plastic to the interior surface of the mold. Water channels carved into the mold aid the cooling process. After the plastic cools, the mold is open and the item removed. Sometimes the plastic liquid is colored for certain intentional colored pieces, and sometimes the plastic is painted after the blow mold was hardened and dried. Featherstone is best known designer of blow mold figures, and his artistic creations have inspired movie makers to include his flamingos in their productions. A recent example in 2011, Disney's movie Nomeo and Juliet <laughs> was featured a pink flamingo character named Featherstone. While blow mold Ornaments continue to be produced. Many of the originals, especially those designed by Featherstone, have become highly collectible. Enthusiasts have formed clubs to promote and protect these vintage pieces and the ornaments, both old and new, can be found in almost every holiday display during the Christmas season. Featherstone continued designing until his death in 2015 and is fondly remembered for his prolific and detailed sculptures. But um, but it was the plink pink flamingo he named Finio Copertus. Wow. I don't know. He named it like a dinosaur. <laughs> Rubber plastics in the 1950s that brought these pa- plastic ornaments to the American stage. Wow. Yeah. Interesting to know like I like where they actually started from. Yeah, well, and it also I have a duck. Yeah, we both have a duck. We got matching ducks. Except I painted mine black. I got to do mine. It's on my list. My forever list. I know. I got to make mine into skeletons. Let's get out of my goddamn brain, Jill. Stop it, Sam. Sorry. Sorry. I'll stop. (laughs) Yeah, I have that. And then I have like a heron or something that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Because we got them at that yard sale. Uh Because they were like 50 cents. And we were just like stupid little idiots. Yes. You have to come home. You got to. Yeah. You got to come home with me. Um, I really have enjoyed like learning more about people's Halloween collections over, mm-hmm. you know, this month and learning more about, I don't know, more shit I don't need to collect. Well, that's basically what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because her collection was like, man, it's so diverse. And there was, you know, not even just the, um, like the anthropomorphic bug ornaments and things like that. Yes, I didn't need to know about those. Not That's, at all. Uh, really a uh, problem. But that was what we felt like were the most important ones to kind of go over here. Because there's going to be lots of interesting things that come up this month and lots of interesting things we talk about a couple more times mm-hmm. um, when we do bring them up. So I'm excited for you guys to learn along with us this month. I'm excited for you to maybe challenge some taboos that you have in your brain about this month, please be sure to go over to our Instagram, either while you're listening to this or at the end of this or throughout the month of October and visit Liatra's different pages. We have her roadside America uh, page will be tagged. We will have her tagged as well as some of the other people we spoke about in this episode that she shares um, spaces with. And if you are local, mm-hmm. please go see those places um, be sure to 
follow along with us over on Instagram or uh, find us on our website where there is a more in-depth kind of guide to each episode. And right now we want to take the time to thank our beloved patrons. I really never know how to thank you guys in a proper way. Just know that Jill and I talk of you often. Yes. All the time. um, Yeah. We're obsessed with you. We're obsessed. Right now we would like to thank Katrina and Erica in Arizona. Gray in Colorado. Emily and Crystal in Nevada. Ruth in British Columbia. Ruby and Autumn in Ohio. Aaron in Wisconsin. RJ in Florida. Gina in South Carolina. Julia in Sweden. Jasmine in Kentucky. Kyla in Indiana. Javier, Shauna, Mandy, and Riley in California. Betty, Lisa, Aaron, TC Lionel, Melissa, Christina, Becky, and Ashley in Idaho. A big fat gigantic thank you to our wonderful team here at the Mothball Prophecies. Gray for making us sound good every week. And spell check for making us look really damn good on paper. Seriously, I appreciate all your help more than you know. <laughs> As always, we hope you find some good shit. And you better be looking under those tables. You better, or the vintage is going to haunt you. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Yeah.